Tigers got 152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Tournament predictions and conversation on all the storylines across the PGA Tour. This is On the Green, WFUV's exclusive golf podcast. Hello and welcome into On the Green, WFUV's exclusive golf podcast. I'm Andrew Bellotta here with Mike Calamari. Mike, the players last week, we'll recap all of it. Scotty Scheffler runs away with it. Minus 17, the next closest player was Tyrrell Hatton at minus 12. I mean, Scotty just showing his dominance yet again. Yeah, I mean, it was really all Scotty Scheffler this weekend. And it was a really interesting week because I feel like all the stories were kind of the people who didn't win it or the people who were really close. I think if you go down the line, there are a lot of great stories. The name of Ricky Fowler, the job he did this weekend, Jason Day, someone that uh, I picked as a sleeper. I know you were almost going to pick him. He had a great, consistent week of golf, but Scotty Scheffler showing his dominance. Kind of John Rahm dropping out kind of opens the way for Scheffler. Rahm dealing with that stomach illness, so Scheffler was able to really ease his way into the number one. But it was kind of a, a tournament where if you just played mistake-free golf, you were probably in a good position. A lot of people had one or two great days, but they – you know, struggled to find four great days of golf. And, you know, for some people, a double bogey on 15 or a triple bogey late in the tournament really was the difference maker. I mean, Scotty is the only golfer to shoot under 70 every round. And I think that that 69 in round four really kind of sealed the deal for him because you had people just fall straight off the board. I mean, you kind of just go down the list. Minwoo Lee was kind of the guy tied with him, 76 on Sunday, a guy that just did not play well. Cam Davis, another guy that was right there, shot a 74. You could kind of go down the list of the guys that were kind of with Scotty. You kind of thought that he was going to run away with it. He is the guy that ends up doing it, not because he played. I mean, he had 65 on Saturday, but besides that, he really just played mistake-free golf, a lot of pars, a few birdies kind of sprinkled in there, but a guy that was the most steadiest this week. Yeah, it was really limiting the bogeys. I want to say he only had eight birdies or something like that, 21 yeah. pars for Scotty Scheffler. And I want to say only one bogey. So like that, that was it. Um, and, and all that really kind of, you know, you know, helped him, you know, get the victory uh, doesn't have any double bogeys or anything like that. And, you know, we saw with a guy like Montgomery who was tied for sixth. I want to say after 14 holes, he ends 44th, like a new guy on the tour that is, you know, trying to make a name for himself, you know, had a really back end, you know, tough, um, tournament end. We saw how tough 18 played. I thought 17 didn't play as tough, but 18 oh. played really tough. Um, the par fours, each of the par fours averaged above par for the round. The only holes to average under par were the par fives. So each of the par fives averaged under par. We saw a good amount of eagles on some of those holes, but the par threes and par fours played extremely tough. And I think that was part of the reason why you saw such high scores. 
Yeah, but congrats to Scotty Scheffler. Kind of want to talk about some other guys that were in this field because, you know, you have obviously Scotty winning it. That's four to five of these designated events that Scotty or John Rahm has won. But outside of that, just a really tough week for the top players. Rory McIlroy misses the cut, which I think was a huge surprise. And a lot of people thought. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of people thought he had a chance. And I, just to show you, I'll, I'll stop you really quick before I let you go back in. I fade Morikawa. He puts up a great uh, a great week of golf, kind of up and down, because he starts off with that 65, and then he shoots a 73 on round two, not able to get under 70 for the rest of the way. But he finishes 13th, and I had picked him last week when he missed the cut. Just a crazy back-to-back week, and I think that kind of shows what the Florida swing's all about, where it's uh, you know kind of really up in the air. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of great golf courses, too. I mean, you have Bay Hill, which is really good. Honda Classic, which doesn't really get a good field, but that's a really tough golf course. And then, obviously, the players, I mean – you know, we were talking about just how iconic it is last week. And you saw a lot of guys struggle that maybe you didn't think so. I mean, going in, you just look at the cut list. I think like what it was like, I think out of the top 10 players, like Scotty was really the only one to kind of show out. I mean, kind of just looking down the list. I mean, this top 10 was Scotty Scheffler, Tyrrell Hatton, who's a pretty good name. Hideki Matsuyama in there. Max Homa ended up finishing top there. But besides that, Justin Sue was in there. I mean, Cam Davis, Minwoo Lee, as we were talking about. Morikawa finishes 13th, but, you know, as you said, he had that great first round, and after that kind of, you know, didn't play that well. I mean, you, you definitely have to talk about some of the other guys. Rookie Fowler, who was my sleeper, finishes T13. He had a really uh, good Saturday and then kind of parlayed that with playing solid on Sunday as well. I was watching him on Sunday trying to just kind of get him into that top 20 range, which was a lot of fun. Jason Day also finishes inside that top 20 who was your sleeper, but our picks in general just really weren't that good this week, which is, you know, kind of tough. And I think it's annoying because everyone tried to be a little creative and I mean, we all could have like easily picked Scotty and he was one of the guys I was thinking about picking and maybe it's getting to the point where it's either Rom or Scotty every week and you'll just have a flyer every now and then maybe every, what did Scotty finish last week at Bay Hill? Uh, great question. Let me look it up. He did. I want to say he finished uh, decent, but not amazing. But um, because maybe I mean, that was just kind of the like we weren't really thinking of it, of him being. Yeah, he finished. I mean, T4. I mean, he still was really right up there, which is yeah, just crazy. <laughs> and then McElroy was second, which I think was part of the reason why I went with him. You know, number third, three player in the world. You know, got like speed this fourth at Arnold Palmer. He had a good Masters finishing the top 20. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the thing, but. Uh, there was like a veteran that was on the course that speeds ball hit his knee and didn't go in the yeah. water because of it. That yeah. was like, honestly, like saved him like thousands of dollars. No, because um, that made him make the cut. And then after he made the cut, he actually had a pretty good yes, weekend. That's right. So he, so this was speeds. He went 75 on, on round two on Friday. And if that didn't happen, because that would save the ball from going in the water and he makes the cut. And then he goes 66 on Saturday and ends up making you know, over 250 grand, which is just crazy to think about. And it's crazy how tough Sunday was playing. Like a guy like Cameron Young, he finishes the tournament longest drive distance. And he's someone to watch out for in these longer courses. I think as we go along the season, I think the Florida swing, Andrew, you would say it's maybe shorter courses. And yes, you know, yes. More so finesse, I think, I'd say. Yeah. So I would say watch out for him when, you know, the, the courses get longer. He's already been playing really good golf, but he's used to 74 on, you know, Sunday, 68 on Saturday. The guy, Taylor Montgomery, that I mentioned, he had a 66 on Saturday. He was, after 14 holes on Sunday, he was sixth on the leaderboard. He finished his 44th. 
because he has a triple bo- a quad bogey, actually, a quad bogey later in that round. He finishes 76 on the day. You know, there's a bunch of guys you can go down the list that really struggled on Sunday that kind of derailed their round and moved them really down the leaderboard. Um, and I think that was a huge story. Minwoo Lee, 76, Cam Davis, 74. All these guys even finished top 10. And it was really just that Sunday. The wheels came off for a lot of people quickly. But even Scotty is able to, you know, keep it under 70, which is remarkable. I mean, only 12 players shot under 70 on that uh, on that Sunday, which is, just shows you how hard the golf course is playing. I mean, overall, I mean, as you said, those par fours were just, you know, a lot of bogeys for these guys. I mean, they were playing really hard. I mean, the, the players is a really hard course. It's kind of that that course that, you know, gets players ready for the Masters, for these majors coming up. And you saw a lot of guys just struggle overall. I mean, Scotty ends up, you know, victorious. But overall, I mean, you know, a, a solid tournament, but not as good, I think, as the other designated events. Not as good as last week at Bay Hill, where you had a crazy Sunday. This one, you see Scotty kind of just go, um, you know, and really take over that lead. But, you know, still generates a ton of views, much more than, I mean, Live Golf's playing this week, but not even close. I know there were people saying, like, there's this one guy. I don't know if you, like, just seen him on on your feed. He's like the Live, he's like, he's like Live Golf, like, like super fan or something basically he's like oh i'd really love to see scotty and like live golf or something which i thought was I, I haven't even seen that but i was i was was thinking about in terms of live you know i was looking at the pga tour rankings and the top 10 of pga tour the only real you know cam smith is the only guy no he's it there. and live golf Camp, the players like what's this tournament like with cam smith i, I think and you know obviously fits his game great he won it last last uh year i don't think he wins it because no back-to-back winner has you. No one's ever won back-to-back players. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with Justin Thomas when he won it. He won it the year before Cam Smith, right? Yeah. So now Scotty wins it, and now for the Dell Technologies, which I think is coming up, Scotty's going to be the. Will he be the actually? I'd have to look at that. I think well, so. Um, I gotta look it up quick, but for the Dell, that's yeah, that's in two weeks. The Dell Technologies. So we got the Valspar Dell Technologies. I think it's the Texas Open then, and then the Masters, which. I mean, I mean, it's definitely we're very we're getting very, very close, which is obviously fun to say. I mean, uh, you know, just looking at. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler won it. Uh, yeah, so he so was, he's going to be the defending champion coming up, too. He's, he's not going to play. He's going to set the Valspar, I assume. Um, yeah, he's not playing the Valspar. He'll play at Dell Technologies, which is a much bigger purse to uh, it's 20 million at Dell Technologies, only 8.1 at Valspar. But Valspar has a pretty good field. We we're talking about it before because a lot of these guys got cut or didn't play. So now they'll instead of maybe skipping the Valspar, yeah. they'll actually play the Valspar, which I think is good for the PGA Tour, which is good. I mean, overall. So Liv's, Liv's playing next weekend, right? They'll compete with the Valspar. Yeah, so they're competing with the Valspar, which will be I very know Honda, interesting. Honda, when Honda went up against the first Liv Golf, they beat him out pretty big time, uh, right? Yeah, and Honda really had no, they had less field. This than is going to be a much better field. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. The thing I was thinking about just watching this weekend, even though, like, I mean, I was watching a lot of like Ricky Fowler. Obviously, you're watching Scotty towards the end, but it really was pretty like the golf wasn't the best just because you didn't have the, you know, the big kind of, you know, push on Sunday with Scotty. Scotty was up by five most of the day. But I think the big appeal for TPC Sawgrass really play comes into play for Bay Hill, which is obviously such an iconic course. That's something you won't see on live. And I think that's actually part of the reason why you see so much less you know, people watching. I think people watch for 17 to watch what happens. I think people watch for Bay Hill and those iconic holes. And you don't see that on live. And I was thinking like, that could be a big reason. I mean, talk about legends and you know legendary moments. They happen at 17 at, you know, the big courses. 
And I think with not live having that, I think that has a lot to do, which why you're not going to see the high, you know, the ratings because they're just playing at these random courses that like, I think this one's in Phoenix, I want to say, but it's just some random country club in Phoenix that has no, you know, legendary status. I think that plays a big part too. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I think a lot of the time people tune in. It's not really about the players who are playing it. It's about everything about the tournament. You want to yeah. see who hosts the hoist the trophy at the masters. You want to see, Who's the player's champ this year? And it, I think what's special about golf is it, it never really, unless it was Tiger, um, it didn't always really matter who won the tournament at the end of the day. But now with Liv, one, you take that out and you take out the individual aspect and it's half team, half player, field's not great. There's so many things that this Live doesn't have that the PGA Tour does. And if I'm the PGA Tour, I would honestly be, I, I've said this before on podcasts, but I think you can make the case Liv has done more good for the tour than it's done bad. Aside from stealing players, more people have been focusing on golf now, especially yeah. with full swing coming out, than I think they have maybe in a while. Like with Tiger not being on the top of his game, it might have lost viewers. But I think people are stumbling coming back, especially with Tiger kind of trying to get that comeback trail. So I think there's a lot that the PGA Tour is doing right right now and the players – Maybe not the best example because it was such a blowout, but if you go back to Bay Hill, it, it perfectly was. No, yeah, for sure. I have one thing to talk about the players, and then I do want to talk quickly because, I mean, Live Golf's going this weekend, and there was big news before the players that came out about the designated events, how the designated events are only going to be – there are going to be no cuts, which I think is going to be an interesting conversation I think we should definitely touch upon. The last thing I do want to say about the players, there were three hole-in-ones at 17, and I think, like, in the last, like, 20 years, there are only three hole-in-ones. I just told you how easy 17 was playing, which – I mean, it's it's always electric to have a hole in one on a hole like that with the island, and obviously it's so iconic. Yes, and I want to. Who was the third hole in one that dunked in? That was on Sunday, I believe, right? Yeah, you, I forgot who. Let me look it up. Uh, that was a crazy hole in one because it was, was a great hole in one. It was going into the water. It had it not landed perfectly in the cup, I thought. Uh, but seventeen was playing really easy. The par fours were playing super tough. That was yes. the big thing with the tournament. The fives were playing pretty easy. Um, and the three and the threes were playing, I would say around average, maybe a little on the harder side, but 17 was one of the easier holes in the tournament. It was Justin Ray, I want to say. Here, let me look it up. It was kind of like a no-name type guy. Uh or maybe this guy just tweeted it here. Alex Smalley. Alex Smalley, yep. Sorry, Alex Ray's guy tweeted. <laughs> yes. So yeah. I mean, it just shows you like. I mean, to have three hole-in-ones on that type of, uh, you know, hole, I think was pretty electric. I think that helps the crowd and that type of stuff. And, you know, I, that was kind of the last thing I had on the players. I mean, look, it wasn't the best tournament where you could just talk about a lot of things. There wasn't – Scotty just basically, once he knew he was up five, he played it pretty safe, I'd say. And just, like, I, I think it was on 18 because 18 was playing really tough. He just did not want to hit it in the water. And you saw him hit it, like, way, way right so he could just play it safe and then kind of, you know, get the easy win there. Yeah, and and if you look at his day on Sunday, um, five birdies, two bogeys, fourteen. He played really good. <laughs> top, that par four. I mean, yeah, he he played really good golf, and uh, it was mistake free golf. Like the scorecard, there's nothing that's eye popping about it. Um, he just did like his job every time he went out there, and it was enough. And I think there were people who had better days than him. You look at a guy like Hoagie who sets the record. Yeah, he sets the record. You see Sawgrass, which is another thing we probably should know. Yes, yeah, Finish we should. Third, he shoots a round 362, which is the record. Um, and a which is nuts. Which is pretty good. I mean, unreal. And he was shot a 78 on round one. He has to shoot four under on round two to even make the cut. 
And then he shoots a 62 on round three to kind of launch himself into contention, even plays well on Sunday. Did you hear that he booked a flight home? I mean, we should definitely have talked about this. He booked a flight home. He booked a so he booked a flight home Thursday night after after just a tough Thursday, as you were as you were saying. So he basically has no idea that he thinks he's gonna even play for the weekend. And then I think he booked him. So like he had a pretty good. What did he shoot four under? You said on Friday on round two. Yeah, so he shoots four under, but I think – so he barely makes the cut. I think it came down to – because, like, the play got suspended for, like, the last few players on Friday just because of timing. So, like, the last few rounds had to go on Thursday. And then he booked another flight because he wasn't going to make the cut originally. But then something happened basically on that Saturday morning, makes the cut, shoots the the 62, and then, you know, finishes third and makes $1.5 billion. And I'm not sure if this this was, like, the difference maker, but he birdied 17 on – Probably was. On, on Friday, so that maybe might have got him in. And if you look at his scorecard on um, round three, not one bogey, which, like, you're going to set a course record, you can't bogey, but it was just, like, no eagles. It was just all birdies. So he birdies almost, I want to say, he starts on 10, so it's 11, 12, 15, 16. He birdies 18, and then 2, 3, 4, he birdies, and then 8, 9, he birdies to finish. Like, just the consistency of constant birdies. On a day where you know, some people struggled that round three, wasn't it did not play like Sunday did, but um it was it, it was only the easiest day, but I mean he shot yes. a course rock. I mean, that's yeah. for I mean he played he played out of his mind, he made one point five million and Scheffler he made four point five million, which is almost up to that live point. I think live, I think it's like five or six million they make. Obviously they have the guaranteed money, but I I, I do think that you know talks about how Liv helped the PGA tour and the PGA tour, the big PGA tour tour golfers look at that purse just sky i mean doubles over year over year which is just insane yeah and i i think it's the purses have increased the lift have live has definitely definitely pushed that for the players and it's helping these lower end guys that if they sneak yeah. into the top 10 on a, on a weekend like this where there are a lot of names you might not recomnize inside the top 10 think about like minimum with big checks yeah. yeah, he makes, you know, almost 800 grand, which I mean, for a guy like that is, you know, obviously really important. But the one thing I do want to talk about before we give our picks for the Valspar is these designated events next year not having a cut. And I think this is, for me, not the right move for the PGA Tour to act too much like Liv, because you, now there's really only going to be five major tournaments and then plus all the, you know, the smaller tournaments that aren't as big. But now there's only going to be five, the four majors and the players. Those are going to be the only big tournaments with cuts. Now, Waste Management won't have cuts anymore. Bay Hill won't have any cuts anymore. You kind of go down the list. And of so one, the- one more time, just to clarify, the majors will have cuts. Majors will have cuts. The players will have cuts. Every other designated event won't. So Bay Hill won't. You'll have Waste Management won't. Genesis won't, which to me is, is very, very interesting to have. It's going to be like the top 70 players basically about. So I think it's... Um, you know, I think the top 50 players, I want to say in like the FedEx cup standings are going to be invited. And then, okay. it's, and then it's like 20 other, like between designations and that type of stuff. And it gets like set around 70. So basically it was done mostly because of supposedly sponsors basically wanting to guarantee that you'll see a guy like Colin Morikawa for four days or Roy McIlroy for four days. So that was, I think the big push. Now, it's going to be tough to play that tournament-level golf with no cut. I think it's very interesting because now these guys, we're talking about how Liv always trying to get ready for the majors. Now, that's going to be really tough, and that'll be a storyline we talk about as we get up to the Masters. 
But now you're going to have a guy like Rory McIlroy, who really only plays the designated events, maybe a few other others here and there. He only only going to play in five events with cuts. I think that's very, very interesting to me, tough for these guys. And are you going to see some, you know, really bad Thursday and Fridays? And you're going to see these big comebacks maybe by some some of these guys. I think it changes the dynamic of golf, I think. I think in a big way. I've got a couple couple thoughts on this. One, I think it does hurt the lower end guy because someone who plays oh, yeah. two days and is able to make the cut and now he's competing against half the field for prize money. He doesn't have to worry about a star who had an awful two days who's now going to finish 30th when he wasn't even going to make the cut. So I think it, it hurts that player a lot. Um, and I think the other thing is that, you know, in the betting world now, you're not going to have miss the cut, make the cut as even a pick. And I think, yep. like, I'm not, I'm not sure if that even applies to it, but that's like the basic golf pick, like make the cut, miss the cut. And it'd be interesting to see now that that just doesn't exist. Does that affect interest in the game that there's not a cut make or break? And then maybe one last thing that, I, that I'll say about the cut thing. How is it going to affect players entering in tournaments? If a player like McElroy is going to be like, oh my, I'm 80th right now and I got to go back out for Saturday, Sunday. He's a gamer. He's going to gear up and he's going to try to finish. But does it take a lot out of him to play four days where he's not in contention really? And then he's got a big tournament t- coming around the other day. Is he better off maybe sitting out tournaments to gear up for those bigger games? So well, I, he's I mean, going to have to play in the designated events. It's like they have to play. Like that's like. Have to play. So if you're Rory McIlroy, so the top – the top 20, I think, or maybe it's top 10 in like the PIP ranking. So it's like the most popular golfers, basically. They have to play. So like Rory, Colin Morikawa, Spieth, they all have to play. They're like basically like, I don't know if it's, you know, they're not like obligated 100%, but I think it's more of like a handshake. Would the Valspar be considered a designated event? No. So the Valspar will have cuts. Bay Hill. So it's, so it's right now, it's Bay Hill, um, Genesis. And waste management were kind of the ones that already happened, I'd say. I think maybe there was one more. But there's there. more coming, definitely. And then there's more coming. So I think like Dell Technology seems like it's going to be one. And then basically, I think what they're going to do is um, right now it's listed as like it's Genesis, Bay Hill and waste management. And then it's like eight other designated events that haven't been announced yet. So it's basically I bet they'll just pick out tournaments that we kind of haven't seen yet. And then they'll kind of play it like that. Yeah, I don't. I, I like the cut personally. Oh, right? I love the cut. It adds something that, like, I mean, Tiger Woods. Like, are they going to make the cut? Is a great storyline. You take that out, it loses some juice. Tiger Woods said his most impressive feat was not the majors, not the PJ Tour wins. He said making the cut. He's the longest cut streak of making the cut. And Rom had the longest cut streak on the tour before he subbed out for illness. That's a cool streak yeah. to have. And they're like, because you're better than half your peers every single week weekend. Yes, and I and I I bet it can be calculated what the cut would have been, but it won't be the same. It's now like that legendary stat is gone, which to me is very interesting that they kind of just got rid of that. I think they could have kept it. Ha- it, in. it has to be money. It ha- they have to have people who calculated it and said this it will make us more money if we get rid of the cut. Well, because I mean, having Rory McIlroy for the last two days of this player is would have meant more. It would have because you don't it know what he would have done. But but here's my question to you. Would anyone have cared to watch McElroy if he's teeing off at 8 a.m. because he's so he was so bad the first two days? Yeah, but maybe he makes a run at it, and then you're watching the back nine just trying to watch Rory McElroy kind of at the top of his game. So here's I think my question to you. Well, let's look at it. We'll look at it together. What would Let's say there's no cut for this player's tournament. McElroy shoots a 76 and a 73. He's plus four. Does he have a shot? To win? No. Well, Why not to win? 
He'd be plus five. He ended plus five. He got cut. He's not shooting. Yeah, he's not the going. Cut, to- the cut was plus three. And like, does he go? Like, Kisner finished plus 11. He came in last. But he um, made the cut. He made the cut. That is correct. He was plus two. So the cut was plus two, plus three. I mean, yeah. So guys, yeah, it was plus two, and then the guys, the guys um, above that, I guess, made it, and the guys below it missed. Um, and like, like Matt Fitzpatrick gets cut. I mean, you know, is that a guy? Five is minus is minus five. The top thirty-five is minus five. So you would be taking guys that started plus three to basically shoot eight under for two days Saturday, Sunday at the players, which is very feasible for these top end guys that missed. I don't think eight, I mean eight under both days would be insane, but do you think that they can finish no, no, like top twenty? Combined. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they could finish top 20, I think. They'd have to go from plus three to basically five under to be in the top within the top 35. I mean, I don't think that's like the crazy. It could happen for sure. But then that you're right. That blocks out other guys. Let's say like the Eric Coles of the world who makes the cut. He finishes T27 and he just made you know almost $200,000. For a guy like that, now he has to now, as you were saying, competes with a guy like Rory who maybe shoots up the leaderboard and maybe he only finishes T44 and now he only makes 60 grand. And that's a huge, for a guy like that, you know, that's 100 grand. Yeah, like, I mean, th- these are the guys I'm talking about. Like Mark Hubbard, who just shot par or like better each no disrespect day. to them like, obviously like ben griffin like we're looking out for these guys like, <laughs> yeah. we're looking out for these guys like i'm this we're going to bat for these guys we're making trying to fight on the pga tour um it's an effort to to market the sport to the stars that's really what it is it's to get the top 30 or about the top 20 it's about them and trying to get them you know the most i guess eyes on on their shot. And, and you know what you know what they're also saying? This is the we don't want to lose anymore what else to live. This maybe if we say, you know, originally I said maybe McRoy would not be as, you know, interested, but now that I'm thinking about it, if he says, "Now I don't have to worry about getting cut for these big purses. Yeah. I can just have a great back end day and I can make I you know I can pocket, you know, $150,000." Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I don't think anybody's going to live now. And I and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know if you saw that Alan Ship Alan Shipnup report. He said that Brooks is not really that happy at live. I did not see that. So and, I don't know if it's true or not. Surprises me because I never thought he was someone that cared. And given the fact that it looks like live players will be allowed to play at the majors, he only really cared about the majors anyway. Um yeah. and I mean we saw him in full swing. He didn't seem that interested. Maybe he just doesn't like golf. I mean, he said that before that he'd rather be a baseball player. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's very, but why would he want to come back? It's going to, and maybe that report's kind of like, you know, not, you know, there's no kind of barring to it. Live, live will, we'll look back on live. There'll be a 30 for 30 on live in 15 years. Oh, for sure. I don't even know. I mean, we'll see how kind of long it lasts. I mean, let's see how they do this week. And this is the second weekend. I think it's in Arizona. It's like live golf, Arizona. That's like what they're calling it. This event. I mean, Last event was a big flop. I think we all could kind of say that. I mean, they got a point two ratings on the Nielsen ratings, which is like, I mean, like it was world, like world's funniest animals did better. <laughs> like it was another CW show that day. So, I mean, we'll kind of see how it works, but this is a very, this designated or designated events with no cuts, I think is very, very interesting. I mean, some, some of these young, these lower guys do kind of like it because then if they win like the Honda classic or whatever, then they automatically get into these events and then they kind of, you know, have a chance to then be in it. That's kind of one thing. So if you're winning those those type of events with, you know, lower purses, but 
if you win it, you kind of get to play with the big boys and, you know, and those Honda Classic type event, they don't have the Rory McIlroy's and those types of players in their events. So I think it is very, it's very interesting to look at it. It's going to be a very different dynamic. And it's funny because we, we started this podcast basically a year ago, you know, probably almost a year ago to the day, maybe a little more than a year. And the golf world has just completely changed. Yep. And it would have been interesting if we started a year earlier, but I think we picked the right year um, to kind of watch it develop. Uh, but, you know, there was, it was also a different time with COVID. And I don't know, it's going sure. to be interesting to watch and see. And I'm excited. So obviously the live events this week, we won't be previewing that, but I do want to preview the Valspar Invitational real quick. Sam Burns, he's won back-to-back Valspars, 2021 and 2022, which – you know, obviously the big story is can he three-peat, but this is a pretty good field. JT's in it, Jordan Spieth, a lot of, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick is in it, Tommy Fleetwood. So you have a pretty good field for the Valspar for a non-designated event. Obviously, it's going to be a little tougher to pick those sleepers because you're even a guy like Keegan Bradley, who, you know, I was kind of tempted to pick him as my sleeper last week. He's plus 2,500 this week, so not really in that sleeper category. Kind of have to look a little bit deeper, but... It's definitely going to be very interesting. Should we start off with the sleeper? I don't know if you're still picking your guys. I mean, I can kind of start with my sleeper if you want. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm, I kind of got. So you go with your sleeper, then I've got mine kind of ready. Okay, I got Joel Damon in this one. So he hasn't really played that well in these designated events, but in the non-designated events, when he's played in them, he's played pretty solid. He finished T5 at the RSM Classic, T3 at Worldwide Technologies. So I think he's a guy. Big full swing darling, had a great episode, one of my favorites. So always rooting for a guy like him. In full swing, he said, um, you know, there, there's always got to be the world's 60th, 70th best golfer, and that's what I am. So he's a guy that probably won't always play in those big, you know, designated type events and not play that well. But I think he'll do well in these smaller events, he usually finishes that top 20. And overall, his um, his odds right now are plus 5,500. So I think to finish top 20, I think he could definitely do that. All right. I got Garrick uh, Higo. Um, I did not know about this guy before the players, but he finishes 44th, <laughs> shot a 68 around three, and um, he's in the field. So kind of not much to go off of, but I'm going to take him. As What's his odds? Team. Do you know his odds? Um, I'm looking up right now. It's on – there's uh, Action Network put out their odds this morning. Uh, through bet 365 that's what i was looking at because obviously like the players odds come out like really early but obviously recording this on a monday so like these smaller tournaments like the valspar you kind of have to you know search for stuff like monday mornings kind of when they all come out i have it up in front of me what's garrick hittos plus 7500 he's i mean i got plus eight a thousand okay so there you go um i'm also reading this he's um He's top 10 players in par five scoring um, entering this week. So it's, oh. it's still with par five. So, um, I mean, I literally just saw that on the site, but to add to my pick that uh, I'll, uh, I'll run with them. All right. Fades. Do you want me to go for fades or do you got one? Uh, you go fade first. All right. I got Matt Fitzpatrick guy. That's obviously won the U S open last year, but he's got three missed cuts this season. Missed the cut last week. A guy that probably is, could be a bounce back type uh pick here but i think he'll continue his down stretch i don't know if this qualifies for like you know missing the top 30 would be a good fade which i think that's probably much more likely but you know a guy that just hasn't played that well and i think that'll continue all right i'm gonna go kevin kisner um struggled at um the players and i think that kind of of course kind of 
you know, he's not a big drive guy. So I, you know, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, and, um, I'm also going to, uh, go the players with, is like the, the players is, a, I mean, TPC Sawgrass, it doesn't really favor one or the other, you know? I think so. In Valspar, you would say longer course. It's, they said it's, um, it's, it's kind of like a similar Florida types for swing. So it's not like the longest, but it's not the shortest. They kind of compare it to that Pete Dye type course that, right. uh, that's TPC Sawgrass. So it's similar to TPC Sawgrass, but not obviously not as hard and obviously not as iconic. All right, I'll go Kevin Kisner. Um, he hasn't played he, that well this year, period. So <laughs> you think, which like this is what it, the, the the field makes it kind of tough. But I would say he's a fade, right? Yeah, no, I mean he's, a, I mean he's a name. I'd say, I mean to fade for sure. I mean, what is he? he must be like in the the yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely fadeable. I think. All right, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll do him as my fade, and then uh, do you want to? Do you have a? Uh, I have a pick. I do too. Uh, I think we might have the same pick. I have I'm, weird story right now. Jordan Spieth's mine. <laughs> like, I, mean, like, I swear, just like I just, I saw there was something I'm looking, I'm looking at you in your eyes. I'm like, it seems like a great pick. He's 19th at the players. He's like he's <laughs> fourth. Finishes bad field. This feels hey, like such a speed tournament. And that's what I was about to say. I was like, this is the biggest speed type tournament where he's he's been knocking at the door at the big tournaments. I feel like the last three years, <laughs> it's just T4 at Bay Hill, uh, T19 at the players, T6 at WM. And, you know, a guy that's played pretty well in, like, the good tournaments but hasn't been able to break through. But he goes off in these smaller tournaments. Last year he won uh, the tournament after the Masters. Which one's that? He won the RBC. RBC, RBC, yes, yeah. So he wins RBC. The year before he wins the Texas Open, like, these smaller type events. Yeah, yeah, this is such a – I like – I don't know. I just thought it's kind of obvious pick. Um, Yeah, he's plus 1,200. He's not the highest. It's it's so JT Spieth. So it's JT Spieth, Fitzpatrick, and then Sam Burns for the top four. Okay, yeah, I totally see that. Um okay, that's that's that is funny though. Spieth is my pick as well. So um I guess it kind of makes it interesting if if Thomas and Smith are like at the top at the end, like this automatically turns and I guess that that's the big names with the no cut. Like with a bad field, if those two guys are you know, back and forth at the end, maybe full swing adds a little bit to it. It could be a fun watch. Hey, I think this could be, Hey, this is like obviously the first episode of full swing is kind of about this. So I think like if, if they're battling it towards the end, I mean, the Honda classic didn't really have the names. Chris Kirk ended up winning it, but it was back and forth playoff crazy in the ending. Like that's going to help with the ratings type. Obviously if any of these top, I mean, top five, I mean, Justin Rose in there as well. I mean, if it's Justin Rose and Jordan speed battling out, I think that's the same type of thing. Like if, if you have those names, Tommy Fleetwood could end it add in there as well um, as guys that, you know, could definitely kind of challenge for that top. And I think people are tuning into that more than they are live. If that makes sense. I like, mean, cause this yeah, week, I, I mean, think the live does nothing for like the teams does nothing for me. They don't care about winning. People are trying to make money on this game. Like people are going to care about every shot they take because it means everything to them. And I think that's the, that's the cool thing about the non-guaranteed aspect of the PGA tour. It's tough on the players, but, you know, they're still making, you know, good money at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. And it's exactly. like, and it's and it's entertaining, obviously, for everyone. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited, especially for Sunday. It's like you got some top guys there and it's a close finish. Then it's going to be, it's going to be a fun watch. Now, my interesting thing is that obviously tournaments this weekend, NCAA tournament, I wonder what live, if Liv's numbers are better or worse than last. I'm going to say it's worse. You have a big – you have so the Thursday, tournament. Friday, Thursday, Friday are already out because that's like – those are the two main days. Yeah. TJ is going to stink on that day too. 
Yeah. So that is think- round two, I want to say, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, round two for the for the tournament. So I don't think Valspar does really good, but I think Liv, I mean, touting that point two rating when they're going up against, you know, the Honda Classic and like XFL football. Now with the tournament, I think that goes down even more, I'd say. Yeah, I would say too. Now I got a question for you. Where do I watch Valspar? It's on Golf Channel NBC, it looks like. So it's going to be on NBC. I think the last day will be on NBC, probably the last two days on NBC, and then ESPN yeah. Plus for the first two days. Oh, nice. I like the plus. Uh, yeah, I'm curious because I know tournaments going to like March Madness is going to take out a bunch of channels. So, yeah, like, which like like for me, like like especially like Thursday, Friday, you're probably not turned on any golf like fr- Saturday or Sunday, probably Saturday, probably not either. I think Sunday people will if it's a close type of event in the PGA Tour. I mean, obviously, it's, it's just going to be tough with March Madness. It may it may be a multiple screen type day for me where you have both going on at the exact same time. And I guess yeah. that's kind of the appeal to ESPN plus where you could throw that on your computer. And like then especially probably... there's no, we don't know the groups yet. If there's a feature group with Thomas and Spieth in it, that's a must watch. Oh, you don't think they're definitely doing that. I feel like they, yeah. they probably will. You would think, right. That, that like, it's a no be... brainer, but like, do they control the groups? Like, 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 is it like, like, yeah, they do. Okay. So they'll like the tournament, the PGA tour will make them up, which and we don't have any featured groups yet for these smaller type tournaments, but. You would have to say it would be one of the two. But we have Valspar this week. Then you have Dell Technologies next week. And then you have the week after the Texas Open. And then after that, it's the Masters, which, I mean, I just cannot wait. I'll tell you this, because I will say before we before we wrap up here, your Masters preview last year, I somehow stumbled upon it. And I just got, like, the, the jitters, everything ready to go all over again. The butterflies are back. I mean, I cannot wait for that tournament. Tiger will be back, obviously. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it right now. I don't think there's that much. I could keep honestly, might just do same open and just. I was talking about it with Sam and just changed the year. Yes, and I I want to say I might have got how many years it has been with wrong, so I'll make sure I get that right this time. Um, but yeah, the the open's good, and I, you know what? Right after this is over, I'm gonna listen to it. All right, sounds good. But I think that'll wrap up this episode of On the Green for Mike Calamari. I'm Andrew Vallada saying see you next time on the Green.